One of the things that I uh, noticed it, even though I was like three months in the Christian world, <laughs> uh, is that they always make a lot of emphasis, you know, don't drink at all, at all, you know. And they ask me sometimes, uh, people uh, says, uh, so what did you do? No, we went to the uh, pool, we have a drink. It's no, you cannot drink, you know, he, he, that's a thing. I said, no, 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 no. I, I, I read the word and, and it says, just don't drink too much, yeah. you know, so you can get yourself drunk. But uh, and this guy that was telling me, I says, you cannot even smell it because you've been 20 years, you know, lifting up your elbow. So you cannot even smell it. That's a banner for you. But uh, and then think about that, thinking about that, I realized that why they do it, you know, why they make it such a big uh, offense uh, of drinking is because they have taken people out of the streets, out of the uh, uh, that uh, alcoholism world, you know. So they gotta do, they gotta keep it straight, even if it means by fear. So in those cases, I say it's okay, you know. Keep telling them that because that's the only way that they understand. Because if, if you say, you know, you, you can drink, I mean, we do every week, you know, but we know when, Yeah. we know when, but people that they, they don't have control, they have to be intimidated by, by, by fear, yeah. and, which I, like I say, it's good what they're doing it. They're keeping them uh, to repeat the, 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 the story again. Yeah. I think if you have a, if you have a problem, yeah, then you should you should abstain, right? Essentially, but I think most most of us don't have that problem. Any, uh, I, I want to add that uh, for what I learned, you know, if you know that uh, somebody that you know is is having that problems with that, and you can abstain yourself from uh, drinking, you know, don't don't. This him, so you can not this him, you know. So that's something that we have we have to do. You yeah, know? it's like uh, the, the verse where it's if you cause your, your brother to stumble, right? So if you can like pass up drinking for that meal when you know your friend is coming over, then maybe it's a, a good thing to do. That kind of thing. Um, any comments about the 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 big story that happened that just that we just read about? <laughs> I mean, I could comment about it. Um, so you know, we have these two men. And they bring they bring this fire, a strange fire, unauthorized fire, and they are consumed by God's by a fire that comes from Hashem. And it seems harsh. I mean, it seems very harsh, right? It seems like they were punished. Um, you know, just you know. As in other other stories that we hear, um, but but I look at it as like not not necessarily a punishment. I look at it as just a consequence, you know, like a consequence, like um, you know, jumping into a lake with with weights on your on your ankles. You know what I mean? That the consequence is you won't be able to breathe. You know what I'm saying? I I I feel like maybe in some ways. There's there's two different there's three different ways that you can that these men could kind of come come to that come into that 
situation, right? One, they could have been um, completely clueless. They didn't know what was going to happen. And so they were just, you know, were just so excited that they brought this incense, holy fire, or this uh, un, this foreign fire, right? That's the one. one. Second one is they were very negligent. Um, they were drunk, you know, which is which is seems like the most probable thing that happened. They were drunk, and then they brought fire without thinking about it. That was their negligence. And third is they were doing it out of um, out of like just because they wanted more power, more you know, they wanted to control the the situation or whatever. Doing doing it out of uh, what do you call it? Like a, in a negative way, you know, by thinking they they want to do it this way um, on purpose, purposeful thing, right? And so. Um, I think it's, I personally think it's the negligence one. I think they got drunk and they, you know, forgot what, what, what could happen to them, you know, and, you know, and then they, that happened to them. I feel like they, I feel like Hashem probably instructed them, you know, what to do, what not to do, you know, and that they, you know, when they became drunk, they did stuff that they weren't supposed to do. I don't, I don't, I feel like Hashem wouldn't just, you know, Oh, you did something that I never told you about, you know, sorry. You know what I mean? Like that doesn't make like what kind of dad, what kind of father is that, right? I don't think that I don't think that happened. I don't think that that's the situation. But at the same time, he can't change, I mean, he can change like the laws of nature and the laws of of things that he does like he does, but it, but I feel like in this situation he was not going to change his essence, his his strength, his power, his awesomeness because these men did something um wrong, you know? They came, they did something that was wrong, um, not purposefully, but, you know, they, they, they had to still bear the consequence. You know, it seems very harsh, but that's just the way it is. But at the same time, I, I, I like to keep this in, the, in, in my mind um, because whenever, whenever these kind of situations come up, they seem like very harsh and hard, like, like Hashem has no pity or, you know, no mercy. Um, but... I like to think, you know, that Hashem's time is not our time, you know. Hashem's time is infinite time. We have this really finite time. So for him, just like for us, when we are disciplining our children, you know, we might discipline them and say, you know, you have time out for five minutes. And for us, our time, we've already lived, you know, 30 years, 20 years, however long. So five minutes is a short time. But to a kid, it feels like like a half a day or something, you know, a long time, right? So the timing is different. So to Hashem, to to um, you know, to take a life is like a, a blink to him. It's a blink, and he knows he's going to bring that life back. Or you know, in a sense, I feel like he's going to bring these two men back. To him, it's just a blink, but to us, it seems forever. It seems like an eternity, right? And so I feel like sometimes we have to like think how Hashem's timing is and different than ours and how he looks at death differently than we do, you know? And so these things might seem like extreme to us, but to Hashem, they're very minor, you know, because he can bring, bring life and bring death just by speaking it, just by doing it. You, know? you have a comment? Interesting about the, the fire. It, it takes, um, it says in the Torah, um, do not um, uh, kindle a fire in all your dwellings on Shabbat. Mm -hmm. And I have an old friend in, in uh, California. I know you and uh, Mayim know her, Valerie. She said this fire also corresponds to a kindling of anger. 
So when you have fire, it does it, it can't exist by itself. I mean, it doesn't operate by itself. It has to have two things. It has to have something to ignite and something to burn, fuel. And there's another place in the Torah that says, an eternal fire on the altar, do not extinguish it, do not put it out. So actually, uh, I believe there's fire constantly in the universe. And when two things happen, it's the combustion that's there. You see the lightning, you see, it's, it's interesting. We can't really define, we can't explain what the fire is. But when we, um, the only fire that we should be concerned about is to um, subdue the Yetzir Hara, our evil inclination. And then you have in Chazon uh, Yohanan, or the Book of Revelation, Apocalypse, also known as, you've got the, with the, the, the lake of fire. It's interesting. And, um, and you have the parting of the Israelites out of Egypt and the Yam Suf, their sea of reeds, the, yam, the word yam suf, suf also means termination, sof. The only difference is the suf. Suf is the reeds, the bamboo stuff that sof means termination. Mm. So when we knock reality out of our lives, we're causing, we're sending ourselves to, the, to that very hell. It's not a God that he has a personality complex. <laughs> the judgment of God, the anger of God means, you know, what you reap is what you sow. So uh, these two men produced the... Uh, Eshazar, the, the strange fire, the strange works, the strange fires, is because they were playing God. Mm -hmm. When we're angry with each other, anger is avodazara. It's also avodazara. How do you say it in English? Idol worship. Mm -hmm. In in the, the 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 religion, all the other religions teach God hasn't. He's affected emotionally, and oh, he's angry. You got to make him happy. You have to bring this sacrifice and that sacrifice to make him angry to make him happy. Our God is always happy. We bring the sacrifice because we need we need a wake-up call. We need to be humbled. So mm -hmm. that's that. And it says also in the Tanakh, God is a fire, an eternal fire, something like that. He's the only righteous fire. Amen. All right. And then I want to say one more thing about it. I guess about Hashem, about I guess serving Hashem in a way, yeah. So we can, we can. I think this, this. I think this story kind of teaches us this, this little lesson in, in a way that we can, we can love our fellow man. We can show love to our fellow man and give mercy to our fellow man. Um, but to, but I guess to show, I guess to show that we we respect God's awesomeness and His power. And his in his glory that we follow his commandments you know what i mean and that shows our fellow men how much respect we have and this story shows us that we that that respect is due to him you know what i'm saying because if you get too close you do you, you you know you you do something like this you can be you can be burned you know you can be consumed right and so i feel like by us doing commandments by us following hashem uh, Hashem's Torah, we show that we do respect Hashem and His and His awesomeness. Yeah. Anybody else? Want to... You mind if I share just a, another thing? Yeah, sure. So uh, one of the other things that I was reading is uh, the the act of the two brothers. Actually, I believe Rabbi Nachman of Breslov 
you know, he, he tries to stay in the positive lane. And he was saying what they did was actually, actually positive in that they were not sober of mind. Uh, they were, they kind of came in with a fervor. Uh, this is sometimes uh, attributed to a, um, a young man's act, you know, that we're all, this is a, something you can glean from people that are, we should learn as we get older that we may not act immediately on something. It's good to, if you have an impulse to sometimes take a step back and say, huh, maybe, maybe I'll think about this for a little bit. But apparently, the Rebbe Nachman says, is these men were consumed with this spiritual fervor and they're like, let's just go bring the, bring the, um, the incense right now. We, we cannot wait. Mm-hmm. This is one of our sins as a people. We can't wait. We're not patient. You know, and uh, in that fervor, they were in this spiritual state, this heightened spiritual state. Hashem is like, okay, well, you're already in a spiritual state. I'll just go ahead and take you to Shemayim, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. like there's uh, there's protocols uh, to to go before Hashem. There's there's a, a song that probably many of us sung that was uh, about a Christian song. It's uh, coming to the Holy of Holies just as you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I don't think that. That, that 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 doesn't work. There's protocols, you know. Uh, like we're all going to have to learn the protocols of when the Mashiach returns uh, about how to approach a king. I think we're so far removed from that, but uh, it was actually, like I said, uh, I heard it was a positive thing that we we have to be sober of mind and sober in our in our um, you know consumption as well. Yeah, exactly. And. I mean, we could talk about this for a long time, but also the thing that Moshe said to Aharon, maybe maybe that's why why uh, Rabbi Nachman got that idea is, you know, this is he said this is exactly what God meant when He said, "I will be sanctified among among those close to me, and I'll be thus glorified." So it's like, like you said, it's like it's like maybe maybe in a way they were um, you know taken to Hashem or early or that kind of idea, that kind of thought but that that still is they still made a mistake because because there was a there's a few different points points in there you know and other and other parts of Torah too it talks about not not drinking one serving and and the thing is we're we're uh you know these these men these men were like the third and fourth in command, you know, we had like Moshe, Aharon, and then these two men after him that were also like the leaders. These are were the leaders of Israel, you know, and um, they represented Hashem. They were like Hashem's um, like representation on earth, and so you know they're very strict. And you know, we also read in here, you know, don't you know, come don't come to the temple without your hair cut, or you'll get or you'll you put to death. You know what I mean? Like these are like it seems strict, super strict, but these are this is what it is. So, you know, you are God's rep- represent representative. You have to, you know, do do what you need to do. Right. Well, wasn't it Yeshua that said something like, um, he if you are faithful in little things, then you'll be faithful in the big things. And when you do what's right with little things, and you will give be given much by God. I think this is an example of that. Um, we want 
especially in the priesthood or in, in leadership positions, you sometimes you can't see the big sins. Well, anyone, you can't see a lot of the big sins of people. You can only see external external things. And of course, we shouldn't judge people merely on external things, but the outside is a reflection of, of the inside. Um, and that doesn't mean that, you know, there's not room to grow and improve both, but it is a sign, you know, what's, what's obvious and these little things, they serve as a first impression. So we can, you know, it, it would be very logical to assume that if someone is not careful in little things that they, that they may not be careful in big things. So perhaps one of the reasons that Hashem is very particular about these little things that they seem minor to us, they seem like things that don't matter to us, is to serve as a symbol or a sign for us, you know, for for to look at our leadership, to look at um, each other, to look at our children, and not to wait until we see um, big signs before we we do something about it. Yeah. Also, if there's if these are the these are the leaders that are going to be representing you, being Hashem's representatives and also representing you. They're putting sacrifices and sin offerings and things for you. You don't want you don't want this person to be doing it wrong, right? He's <laughs> protecting the people essentially are, are, you know, giving sin offerings for the people and you don't want them to do it wrong either. Right. So, so you got to, you know, there's a many, many things, many reasons. All right. Um, let's continue. And this is like one of the only stories in Leviticus. So, so there's, you know, of course, obviously brings a lot of attention and a lot of, uh, um, dialogue about it. so is this Rebbe the fourth reading? That's right. Okay. So let's change gears here and go to the fourth portion. Okay. By the Ber Moshe Haron Bial Elasar Biet Itamar. Banav Ha Notarim Kehu Ek. Hamisbeach ha noteret me ishe arunai va ich luha matzot etzel hamisbeach ki kodesh kedashim hu be achalet ve achalet otam. Be Makom Kadosh Ki Chazak Vechak Banecha He Me Ishei Arunai Ki Kain Tzu Beiti Be'et Chazay Hat Nufa Be'et Shok Hat Ruma 
האוכלו במקום מהור, טהור, אתה ובניך ונוהיך איתך, כי חזק וחק בניך ניתנו מזבח שלמי בני ישראל. משה ספוק תאהרון ותאלעזר ותאמר his remaining sons. Take the meal offering that is left from the fire offering of Hashem. Eat it unleavened near the altar for it is most holy. You shall eat it in a holy place for it is your portion and the portion of your sons from the fire offering of Hashem. For so have I been commanded. And the breast of the waving and the thigh of the raising up, you shall eat in a pure place, you and your sons and your daughters with you, for they have been given as your portion, the portion of your sons, from the peace offerings of the children of Israel. They are to bring the thigh of the raising up and the breast of the waving upon the fire offering fats to wave as a wave service before Hashem. It shall be for you, your sons, with you for an eternal decree as Hashem commanded. That's it, right? That's it. Okay. I mean, the first thing for me is it's like, after this terrible thing happened, and they're like, you got to keep working, you got to keep going, you know, it's like, it's hard, you know. And I was saying, like, Aharon was silent, you know, he was, it said he was silent. I think in some ways he may have just been in shock, like, you know, I've heard that some, when some, sometimes when something tragic happens to people, they just, they just cannot think, and they just, they're in shock, and they just, you know. So I think in this sense, you know, Moshe is just like, okay, we got to continue, whatever. Um, You're just, I'm just trying to put my put my uh, mind into that and think about how how Aharon was was dealing with this. All right. Uh, I'm something woke me up about um, sacrifice Ola. Um, the word Ola, I don't know why it's interpreted as a, a burnt offering, but the word, root word means to ascend. When a person Um, sacrifices, you know, to Hashem, they're uh, elevating their state. But then you have the Shlamim sacrifices, which I think is grain, right? It's ground grain. I think Mincha offering something. And the grain is indestructible unless the grain, the wheat in Israel is indestructible. Even fire can't destroy it unless you crush it and soak it and then whatever. And then Lahani, uh, uh, No, to wave, wave offering. It says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness. Uh, beautiful the situation. All the earth. And uh, it's like, it's like the north is the word that's really getting to me. So arise ourselves. have that uh, be in the north in the situation uh, that benefits you. And that's what repentance is, teshuvah, and always wanting to improve. 
Never be happy where you're at. Otherwise, you become like the chametz, like the leavening. The Yetzirah starts to work on your brain and uses rational rationalization and emotion. And we make ir irrational judgments and, and uh, attitudes that destroy us. There you go. I think it's called, I think it's translated as burnt offering because the Ola was completely burnt, burnt up and um, the smoke ascended. So it's sort of Ola. All right, let's continue. All right. Avichayel ben Reuven lachumash. Ve'et se'ir ha'chatat de'rosh darash Moshe ve'hine sorak vayikzok et el azar ve'el Itamar bene aharon hano hanatarim lemor ma madua lo achal lo et achatat bim bim kom hakodesh ki. Kodesh Kadashim He Veata Natan Lachem La Laset Et Avon Haeda Lechaper Alehem Lifne Adonai En Lohu En Lohu and lo huva et dama el el hakadosh penima a acho toche acho toche lu at ota ba kodesh kasher tziveti. Moses then inquired about the goat slaughtered as a sin offering, and then he and when he discovered that it had already been burned, he was angry with Aaron's surviving sons, Eleazar and Ithamar. He said to them, "Why did you not eat the sin offering in a holy area? It is holy of holies and has been given to you to remove the community's guilt and atone for them before God, since its blood." was not brought into the inner sanctuary, you should have eaten it in a holy place, as I commanded you. Aaron responded to Moses, Today, when they sacrificed their sin offering and burnt offering before God, such a terrible tragedy occurred to me. If I had eaten the sin offering today, would it have been right in God's eyes? When Moses heard this, he approved. All right, any comments? I do. Right. 
Is, is it okay? Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's a lot of good stuff here. <laughs> so, uh, in in the uh, in the uh, Rambam's uh, discussion of the 613 commandments, one of them is that we are representative of Hashem. Uh, some some Jews uh, postulate that. Uh, now, this is something I need to work on because I, I may come in and I have a discounted look. Why are you upset? What are you? But the idea is that you're supposed to greet everybody with a smile. You're supposed to, uh, because you don't know the effect your your face has on, or your countenance has on other people. People may take it the wrong way. People may say, "Oh, well, are they mad at me?" Or you know, it's best to come with people from a from a cheerful place, uh, uh, so that so that we can bring blessing on them. So this goes to the to the time uh, in which um, the Israelites lived. There was there was a uh, a protocol with kings that you not enter into the king's presence down faced. Uh, you came in. Uh, uh, look, you're in the presence of the king. Everything is good. You're you're happy. You should be blessed that you're in the presence of the king. Uh, and also, when when the the spirit when the actual letter of the law, like a, like a um, brother Shaul in the Besorah talks about, sometimes uh, somebody that's uh, seeing from they don't see the spiritual application. Uh, Moshe saw the what was written down, and. Uh, Aaron uh, was dealing with Aaron was dealing with uh, his two sons had just been killed by not following protocol. Uh So he internalized he being Aaron internalized and says, "Look, I I don't, I don't want to mess up. You know, my sons have just been killed. I'm in a state of mourning. Uh, Hashem has told me not to mourn them. I'm just, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna not go in and." When he explained this uh, to Moshe, Moshe said it was good. You know, it, Moshe had not had that revelation yet. So a lot of that, I think that goes to a picture that uh, we need to be careful on how we judge people uh-huh, uh-huh. and uh, how we present ourselves. And uh, just uh, Hashem is merciful. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I also heard that that, that offering should have been should be eaten enjoy and in, in like rejoicing and that also didn't apply to Aharon at that time um all right let's continue i think it's khana ya amod khana levi levia bat avraham lahumash Uh, it's kind of small here, though. Yeah, you have to do it No, we usually have the computer. We had. Yes. Yes. Same here, right? Next page. I'm a sheep. Only? Wow. No, we're on six. We're on six. Is that a bigger print? It is. Is it bigger? It's kind of weird. It might be easier to read. Okay. 
for life reason. Okay, I dropped the page. Let me see where it ends. You see where it ends? It's pretty long because it's all like. Okay. Okay. Ah, <laughs> Kima <laughs> Parso <laughs> Lofty Joe, the name him Loha. At that, Mikola Sherba Moim. Kola Sherla, son of Piro, Kashpashet, Bamaim, Bayam, Bayamim. Uva Naholim, Tom, Duhailu. Bukhala sher inalo, sanapir wakashkasha, bayamim uvan holim, ikol sher samayim, umikol napisha hayo, asher bamoyim, shagasahim locha, washagasihiyu locha. Mi besorom lo sukhelu wa atni blosom tashqisu kala shar in lo tanapir wa qashqashat bamoyim shagasu lo kham wa adila tashqisu min ho lo ye akhlu shagashin 
Ett hadja, ett anasjer, ett hapares, ett hosno, hosnio, hosnio, ett hado, ett hajala mino, ett kol urevla mino, ett bata hajano, ett hatahmos. Ved hashoha, ved hanis laminehu, ved hakers, ved hasholoch, ved hayanashu, ved amafraset paraso, ushasa ineno, shasa wehero ineno baalo. Tommy im him locha call Hanurea Boham Nigitamo Bukhul Hahulrich Al Kanopo Bukhul Hahayo Hulaket Al Arba Tommy im him locha Colla Nugaya Niblotom Yitamo Adho Ora Wahanu say at a niblosom. Yehabis Berodo, but Tommy Adho or Tommy in him all of her. Was a loham hatome basharis. Well, has was a loham hatome basharis has serif alho or a huleho akbor. وحصاب لامینه و هو آنگاه و هکوه و حالا تو آمیت و هاتی و هاتی نشامه اینا هتمیم لخم بخال هشاره بخال هشاره Kol hanugaya boham kamatham yitma alho ora bakhalashay yipal alomniham tamatham yitma mikol kaliyese uvaqad ur usab kol kaliyashariy asa nalakhaboham. Tamayi boham, tamayi miyuhon. Vutto me adho ora, vutto he. Is that the end? Yeah, should be easier. Okay, now in English? God spoke to Moses and Aaron, telling them to speak to the Israelites and convey the following to them. Of all the animals in the world, these are the ones you may not eat. Among mammals, you may eat anyone that has true hooves and are cloven and brings up its cud. However, among the cud-chewing, hooked animals, these are the ones that you may not eat. The camel shall be unclean to you, although it brings up its cud, since it does not have a true hoof. The hyrex shall be unclean to you, although it brings up its cud, since it does not have a true hoof. 
the hair shall be unclean to you, all the wood brings up its cut, since it does not have a true hoof. The pig shall be unclean to you, although it has a true hoof, which is cloven, since it does not chew its cut. Do not eat the flesh of any of these animals. Do not touch their carcasses, since they are unclean to you. This is what you may eat of all that is in the water. You may eat any creature that lives in the water, whether in seas or rivers, as long as it has fins and scales. All creatures in seas and rivers that do not have fins and scales, whether they are small aquatic animals or other aquatic creatures, must be avoided by you. They will always be something to be shunned. You must avoid them by not eating their flesh. Every aquatic creature without fins and scales must be shunned by you. Shunned means taboo. These are the flying animals that you must avoid. Since they are to be avoided, do not eat any of the following. The eagle, the ossifrage, which is, I don't know what that is, the osprey, the kite, the vulture family, the entire raven family, the ostrich, the owl, the gull, the hawk family, the falcon, the, the cormorant, and the ibis. The swan, the pelican, the magpie, the stork, the heron family, the hopo, and the bat. Every flying insect that uses four legs for walking shall be avoided by you. The only thing, the only flying insects with four walking legs that you may eat are those which have knees extending above their feet, uh, using their longer legs to hop on the ground. This is the grasshopper, basically. Among these, you may only eat members of the red locust family, the yellow locust family, the spotted gray locust family, and the white locust family. All other flying insects with four legs for walking must be avoided by you. There are also animals that will defile you so that anyone touching their carcasses will be unclean until evening. Furthermore, anyone lifting their carcasses will have to immerse even his clothing, and then remain unclean until evening. Thus, every animal that has true hooves, but is not a cloven hoof, and does not bring up its cud, is unclean to you. And anyone touching its flesh, its flesh shall be unclean. Did I pass it? Similarly, every animal that walks on its paws among four-footed animals shall be unclean to you. And anyone touching his carcass shall be unclean until evening. Furthermore, one who lifts its carcass must immerse even his clothing and then remain unclean until evening. They are unclean to you. Um, okay, well, almost done. These are the animals, these are the smaller animals that breed on land which are unclean to you. The weasel, the mouse, the ferret, the hedgehog, the chameleon, the lizard, the snail, and the mole. Uh, these are the animals that are unclean. These are the small animals that are unclean to you. Whoever touches them when they are dead shall remain unclean until evening. If any of these dead animals falls on anything such as wooden vessels, clothing, leather goods, sacks, or any other article in which work is done, then that article must be immersed in a mikvah and remain unclean until the evening, whereupon it becomes clean. Mm. So, you know, a lot of these uh, forbidden animals happen to be predators, but chickens are also predators. They eat anything. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
But, uh, you know, I think there's going to be time coming with this bio warfare and all of that. It's going to be in some of these. Un- it's going to be, I bet, predominantly in a lot of these unclean animals that people eat. So. Mm. All right. Any other comments? Anybody have any comments? Uh, I, I, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff. I apologize. I know. I Go for this it. This is the last commentary here. <laughs> uh, the... Um, this is one of those that are sages and commentary commentators say that there's there's real no reason there's no explanation hashem says this is what i don't want you to eat i prefer i don't like it some of the some of the animals he says he detests them which it's kind of strange for him to say since he created them but he he says he can't stand them and we should likewise can't stand them uh and there's really no reason uh given it's just that he and it's it's kind of like uh, uh, you know the answer we give as parents you know our kids ask us why 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 look I, I just said no just don't do it you know and it's interesting that the nations uh, hang have a lot of times hanging up on these you know mm-hmm. and it's almost like to the point where if we if a non if we go to eat with a non Jew they'll present you know swine or you know some kind of un- unclean thing for us uh i don't think hashem meant it to uh set us apart uh but i think as we became distinguished i think the uh hashem and the yetzirah used uh these these the, the foundation of the kashrut laws to basically set us apart from the nations and you know um when we received the Torah, even before we received the Torah, we see we said we will we will do we will hear. Uh-huh. So we don't necessarily need to understand. It's just uh, Hashem says, "Don't eat it." And some of the things He hates, so we should definitely not be about that. Yeah, definitely. I think it's like I, I don't know if it says exactly like you detest the animal or detest the fact that eating of it. I don't know. I'm not sure. But um, these, yeah, these are hochim. They call them hochim. These are laws that, you know, our, you know, sages will say that there's no reason. Or there's, there, the reason is not apparent to us. These are just things that Hashem has given to us. And, you know, I look at it as Hashem has given us these laws. Um, and we should we should do them even if you don't know the reason. You know, I mean, there's some reason. Sometimes it gives you a, gives you a lot, and you're like, oh, there's I can see the reason for that. But if sometimes you might not see the reason, but you should still do it. You know, just like you want to follow your father. He says, you know, don't go out to the street. And you're like, why? There's no cars. There's no reason. You know, but you go in the street, and you may get him. Right? You might not see the reason. So you're just gonna follow him, but. On the, on, the, on the flip side, sometimes reasons do come about later on. Science brings some kind of idea, and you're like, oh, that, that's my, could be one of the reasons why Hashem told us not to do this, not to do that. Like eating pork, there's like all these bad things about it, right? Might be a negative thing, you know? But that's not the, the primary reason why we follow them, but they could be like secondary reasons. Like the primary reason is because Hashem told us that the secondary reasons are such and such. I just heard a new, a new reason that I've never heard of before for, for not eating pork or, you know, pig is because, you know, he's, it's an omnivorous animal. So it eats like almost anything. 
and it would um, is very destructive on other crops. So when you're when you're raising pig, they might like destroy your other crops, the other crops of your your, your neighbors or your, even your own crops. So that's another another reason, you know. So there's like there's all these different kind of things that that come about, you know. You had some. Okay. So this, when you against this yeah. Why would you say that? But, uh, it's not what goes into your mouth that makes you unclean, but what comes out. Whereas the Torah says, even if you touch it, you're unclean. So, would you like to expound on how we can justify Yeshua's rationale? Um, I'm not a I'm not a very quick thinker. I'd have to study that and then get back. <laughs> all, I can, all I can say is when you ingest something, or if you have like a, a skin grafting from the pig skin, like for burn victims, the body absorbs it, mm -hmm. and it's no longer considered tummy. But um, I'm sure his point was guard the tongue. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's more important than careful what you touch. However, it doesn't mean you can touch everything. So. Yeah. Um, also, the context of Yeshua's words had nothing to do with um, clean and unclean meat. That had to do with the washing of hands. Well, a lot of times in, in the Besor, it's not necessarily, you know, it's like a chapter and then they they stop discussing. There could be a whole bunch of thoughts mixed in at the same time. And uh, didn't he say uh, within the context of that conversation about joining yourself to unclean things? Uh, mention that. Um, so, I mean, <clears throat> when, we, when we read Yeshua's words, is very uh, mystical, right? Mm -hmm. He says that his words uh, are hidden, right? So they're very, uh, they're hidden so that... Those that uh, us that have been chosen to receive will be will will understand. Mm -hmm. So um, those are these are definitely hard things to understand. But he also said that if you, in the same I believe in the same context, talked about uh, you know join yourself the prostitute, right? So it's kind <laughs> of the it's the kind of the same thing, you know. It's, if you're gonna, um, if you're going to eat a eat a pig, uh, it becomes part of you, and what's what's you know the result is going to be the same. If you ingest anger and anger comes out, it's kind of the same word picture. I think he was speaking that it's not it's not the action. If you if somebody on the other side of the world who's never heard the Torah. Uh, goes and eats a pig. I don't think they're going to be judged as as a Jew who specifically chooses out to eat pig to do that in defiance of Hashem. Mm -hmm. Everything that person produces is now anthema to Hashem. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I was listening to a commentary not too long ago. It was talking about you know tahor and tameh and being clean, unclean type of thing, and you know. Ultimately, you want to be clean before you come to the temple. You know, you have to be clean to, in order to come to the temple to be to do your sacrifices. But in almost in, in in some ways, it's almost your default as you're unclean. Like women are unclean. You know, 
things they touch are unclean. You become unclean. You walk into a building that has a dead person, you're unclean. You're, you're default, almost default. You're almost always unclean. There's like, it's very hard in a way to be clean. You know, you have to make all these steps to make yourself clean. So if you're going to be serving in a temple, you're, you have, you have to kind of separate yourself, you know, holiness is exactly, you know, that's what's happening. So when they're talking about these foods and these things, I, you know, it's saying, you know, to be clean, to, you know, to not do that and not do these things. Um, it's not saying go eat these foods, you know, essentially, but um, it's just saying, if you do eat these foods, you won't be able to come into the temple. You won't be able to do, do sacrifices, that kind of stuff. I mean, that, that's just the way I look at it. I don't. I think it's even worse than that because in Isaiah, well, this, there, there is some detestable yeah. things in it's Isaiah. Eating rats and eating pigs, eating detestable unto yeah. the Shem, you know. But it only lists those things, so you can eat camels or something. Like I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, well, in a life and death situation, <laughs> sure. But in a life and death, Hashem wants His people to be separate and holy. Oh yeah, definitely. But what I'm saying is there are even times where women cannot even do that. They can. It's part of their monthly cycle. Men, too, if they have emission. It's part, it's part of us. It's part of us to be unclean sometimes, you know. So it's not. And, and I not think that's translation. Translation is, is, is very wrong. Like clean and unclean, those, those words to us mean something different than tahor and tameh mean in Hebrew, right? Oh yeah. Well, the, any meat, any kind of meat will do that. Or even ve even vegetables, right? You get all these salmonella stuff. Or is it not salmonella? Oh, one of them. Anyway, uh, should we continue or any more comments? <laughs> Come on, it's not even one o'clock yet. Ta'amod ahava ba'reuven la humash. We're supposed to start, we're supposed to end earlier, but we've been actually ending later. So maybe if we start really late, we'll end up really early. Yeah. <laughs> that won't happen. That will never happen. <laughs> There's rules. There's rules. That's why we start early, because of the rules, not because we want to. All right. Mm -hmm. okay, you're, the, you're the seventh. Can you find it? Yeah. No blessings. Oh, no blessings. Where was it? Oh. <laughs> Beko Kili Hedes Asher Yiko Mehem El Toho Kola Shevitoho Yitma Beoto Tishboru Mikola Ohe Asher, 
Bekulmuşken aşeyi şöte Bekul keli Yitma yitma Bekul aşeyi Aşeyipol mi mini mini plata aha itma tanuko vehi vehira yutas temeinen utmein if any of these dead animals fall on the inside of a clay vessel, then anything inside it becomes unclean, and the vessel itself shall be broken. Thus, any unusual food that has once been wet with water shall become unclean. Any unusual beverage, oh, any usual food that has once been wet with water shall become unclean. Any usual beverage in a vessel likewise becomes unclean. Thus, anything upon which their dead bodies fall shall be unclean. In such a case, even an oven or a range is unclean and must be broken down, since it otherwise remains to unclean to you. The only thing that shall always remain ritually clean is a mikvah of water, whether it is a man-made pit or natural spring. Any other water that comes in contact with the dead bodies of these animals shall become unclean. If the dead bodies fall on any edible seeds that are planted, the seeds remain ritually clean. However, if water has once been placed on such unplanted seeds, then the dead body of any of these animals and, the, and then the dead body of any of these animals falls on them, the seeds shall be unclean to you. If any animal that you may eat dies, anyone touching its carcass shall be unclean until evening. Anyone eating something from such a carcass must immerse even his clothing and then remain unclean until evening. Similarly, one who lifts such a carcass shall immerse even his clothing and then remain unclean until evening. Every animal that breeds on land shall be avoided by you and not, shall not be eaten. Thus, you may not eat any creature that crawls on its belly or any small animal with four or more feet that breeds on land. They are all things that must be avoided. Do not make yourselves disgusting by eating any small creature that breeds. Do not defile yourself yourselves with them, because it will make you spiritually insensitive. For I am God, your Lord, and since I am holy, you must also make yourselves holy and remain sanctified. Therefore, do not defile your souls by eating any small animal that lives on the land. I am God, and I brought you out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, since I am holy, you must also remain holy. This, then, is the law concerning mammals, birds, aquatic creatures, and lower forms of terrestrial animals. With this law, you will be able to distinguish between the unclean and the clean, between the edible animals and the animals which may not be eaten. Um, right. Once again, do these laws, even if they don't make sense. <laughs> but these, some of these make no obvious sense. You, know, you don't want to eat something that a dead animal fell into. You know, that's kind of I mean, nowadays, it seems like babies. Never, never do that. Uh, I just want to comment that 
it may, uh, Hashem makes emphasis on us to be holy and to keep ourselves clean. And at that time was because uh, anybody could contaminate the uh, the priestess that they were going to do yeah. the, uh, okay. And how do I apply that to today? You know, is when somebody knows that, that at least that's, that's what we did back in South America, when let's say uh, I was the one for uh, to read the Torah, and I knew that I was not clean. I was I cannot be, you know, because we're going to be touching the Torah, and we cannot be, uh, uh, we, we cannot be unclean. We have to be clean in order to do that. But sometimes people don't pay attention to the, to that. Uh, but it's very important. I mean, it's, it's the same. It's the same. Um, uh, holiness that should be even if we don't have a temple, we still have a Torah. Okay, so there's something that we as men we have to look, uh, make sure that they say, Oh, maybe tomorrow I'll have a, but then probably my wife have a sanidad. Did I touch it? You know, am I contaminated? Those are the things that we have to be, be, be careful. Yeah, probably nobody, nobody will know, but we know, and he knows. And that will count. It will be a count against us. Yeah. And even then, if we were extra lax with all these things, when if if and when the temple is rebuilt, we would be so far behind to try to catch up to you know be to this level. That if you if you, you know kind of like ah, eh, there's no temple. We don't have to worry about this. You're getting it's gonna you know bite you. You know it's gonna you're gonna get in trouble for not keeping up with this kind of stuff. At least knowing, trying to practice it. Practice makes perfect, right? So if you're not practicing it, you're not going to be good. All right, let's... Um... That, um, eating and having sex are the two things about human beings that are the same as animals. Just like animals eat and have sex, human beings also eat and have sex. And these are the two things that in the Torah are, are regulated to a point where godless people do not understand, right? So godless people don't understand why you should be married, right? And why a, 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 a marriage is sanctified and why it's special and why it's holy and why you should only, you know, be um, um, have one have one partner. That 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 this is the ideal to have only one partner, um, and likewise. Um, People who don't have faith in in the Torah also don't understand why what the what the point is of all of these um, these kashrut laws. You know why? You know what's the big deal? Who cares? You know, it, it's the same thing as before. I was became religious. I didn't see the point in why can't a man be with a man and a woman be with a woman if they're not hurting anyone. You know, they're not hurting anyone. It's a personal choice and. Same thing with with eating, you know, eating things. Who who else does it hurt? And there's a lot of unclean. Excuse me. There's a lot of unhealthy things that are kosher. So it's not about um, health, healthy or not. It's about um, setting us apart from the animals and 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 being godly beings, being you know divine beings who only who not only um, live to satisfy our flesh, but we apply and allow rules 
to these very animalistic um, impulses that we have in order to set us apart from animals and also to set us apart from from the other, nation. from the other nations. <laughs> you know, if um, the, the prohibitions for eating insects, if you eat a fly, it's not one violation because the larvae are in the water, so you can't eat things in the water that are not kosher. It also crawls on the earth, so it's a second violation. It also flies in the air, so that's a third violation. So that's why we check our leaves and everything before we cook, rinse them well. Pretty interesting, isn't it? <laughs> One insect eating can be like six different violations. Yeah. And it's, like you said, it's not necessarily a health thing because we just read that if something falls in the mikvah, it doesn't make the mikvah unclean. I mean, I, personally, if I saw a dead lizard in a mikvah, I don't think I'd want to get in there. But it wouldn't be unclean, according to Torah. It said a man, it said man me. Right there in the Torah. You can read the Torah and you can, but you can, we just read it, we just read it. <laughs> we just read it. <laughs> I don't know what to say. So it's not about health. That's what I'm saying. It's not about health, right? It's about what Hashem said. <laughs> what Hashem said. Yeah. It doesn't make it not gross, because it's definitely gross, but it's not unclean. <laughs> Maybe who knows? Who knows? Maybe Hashem. Maybe Hashem puts some kind of special antibacterial stuff in the mikvah that we can't see. So what happens if you're praying? What happens if you're praying? What happens if you're praying and a mosquito hits you? Are you unclean? No, no. All right, let's continue. We can we can talk about this stuff forever, right? What's it? Was it like what they say? Two two Jews, three opinions, or something like that. Thirty opinions, yeah. exactly. All right, let's continue. Um, we have um, um. Mama, Ta'amod Ma'im Ba'Abraham La Humash. Or how about La Chaptora? There's no Maftir, we already read it. Where? I mean, you can do the Maftir if you want to. No, bless you. Yeah, I figured we already read it. So, Haftorah? Well, no, we need a blessing for it. So we said a blessing for the Torah. Okay, you could have it. We say a blessing for the Torah. We say a blessing for the Torah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. David and all the people that were with him arose and went forth from Baalei Judah to bring up from there the Ark of God, which is called by its name. The name of Hashem, Master of Legions, who is enthroned upon the cherubim, is upon it. They placed the Ark of God upon a new wagon and carried it from the, carried it from the house of Abinadab, which was in Gibeah. Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, guided the new wagon. They carried it from Abinadab's house, which was in Gibeah, with the Ark of God, and Ahio walked in front of the Ark. 
David and the entire house of Israel were rejoicing before Hashem with all kinds of cypress wood instruments, with harps, lyres, drums, timbrels, and cymbals. They came to the threshing floor of Nakon, and Uzzah reached out to the ark of God and grasped it, for the oxen had dislodged it. Hashem became angry at Uzzah, and God struck him there for the blunder. And Uzzah died there by the ark of God. David was upset with himself because Hashem had inflicted a breach against Uzzah. He named that place Perez Uzzah, breach of Uzzah, which is its name to this day. David feared Hashem on that day, and he said, how can the ark of Hashem come to me? So David refused to move the ark of Hashem to himself, to the city of David, and David diverted it to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months, and Hashem blessed Obed-Edom and his entire household. King David was told, Hashem has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and everything he has, he has because of the ark of God. David then went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with joy. Whenever the bearers of the ark walked six paces, he slaughtered an ox and a fatted ox. David danced with all his strength before Hashem. David was girded in a linen tunic. David and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of Hashem with loud joyous sound and the sound of the shofar. And it happened as the ark of Hashem arrived at the city of David, that Michal, daughter of Saul, peered out the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before Hashem. And she became contemptuous of him in her heart. They brought the ark of Hashem and set it up in its place within the tent that David had pitched for it. And David brought up burnt offerings before Hashem and peace offerings. When David had finished bringing up the burnt offering and the peace offerings, he blessed the people with the name of Hashem, Master of Legions. He distributed to all the people, to the entire multitude of Israel, man and woman alike, to each person one loaf of bread, one portion of beef, and one container of wine. Then all the people left everyone to his home. David returned to bless his household. Michal, daughter of Saul, went out to meet David and said, how honored was the king of Israel today, who was exposed today in the presence of his servants, maidservants, as one of the boors would be exposed. David answered Michal, in the presence of Hashem, who chose me over your father and over his entire house to appoint me as ruler of the people of Hashem over Israel. Before Hashem, I shall rejoice, and I shall behave even more humbly than this, and I shall be lowly in my eyes, and among the maidservants of whom you spoke, among them will I be honored. Michal, daughter of Saul, had no child until the day of her death. It happened after the king was settled into his home and Hashem had given him respite from his enemies all around. But the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now I am living in a house of cedar while the ark of God dwells within the curtain. Nathan said to the king, Whatever is in your heart, go and do, for Hashem is with you. It happened that night that the word of Hashem came to Nathan, saying, Go and say to my servant to David, Thus said Hashem, Will you build me a house for my dwelling? For I have not dwelt in a house from the day I bought, brought the children of Israel up from Egypt to this day. I have moved about in a tent and a tabernacle. Wherever I moved about among all the children of Israel, did I say a word to one of the leaders of Israel, whom I have appointed to shepherd my people, Israel, saying, why have you not built me a house of cedar? And now so shall you say to my servant, to David, thus said Hashem, master of legions, I've taken you from the sheepfold, from following the flocks to become ruler over my people over Israel. I was with you wherever you went. I cut down all your enemies before you, and I gave you great renown, like the renown of the great men of the world. I shall yet establish a place for my people, for Israel. I shall plant it there, and it shall dwell in its place, so that it shall be disturbed no more. Iniquitous people will no longer afflict 
it as in early times, and also from the day that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I shall give you respite from all your enemies, and Hashem informs you that Hashem will establish a dynasty for you. When your days are complete and you lie with your forefathers, I shall raise up you, your offspring, who will issue you from your loins, and I shall make his kingdom firm. He shall build a temple for my sake, and I shall make firm the throne of his kingdom forever. I shall be a father unto him, and he shall be a son unto me, so that when he sins, I will chastise him with a rod of men and with afflictions of human beings. But my kindness will not be removed from him, as I removed it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your dynasty and your kingdom will remain steadfast before you from all, for all time. Your throne will remain firm forever. In accordance with all these words and this entire version, so did Nathan speak to David. Mm. Oh, yeah. I think my wife has like a... Uh, I wanted to say that um, the connection between the uh, Torah portion and the Haftar portion is, um, as we've pointed out already, that these men, um, um, Aharon's sons and also um, Uzzah, they were both in human eyes severely punished for something that humans cannot understand, but were transgressions of Hashem's ceremonial laws or hukim according to the Torah. Um, in the case of um, Aharon's sons, it seems that it, it was entirely their fault um, that, you know, they offered strange fire, they approached Hashem intoxicated. But in the case of Uzzah, it, it seems even more unjust because this was entirely David's fault, actually. Um, David, he he chose to transport the ark, but he commanded the people to put it on a cart again, um, pulled by oxen. And the reason why he did that, um, supposedly, is because when it when it was returned to the Israelites, um, it was because the Philistines um, put the ark on um, on a cart, and they took two oxen who had never. Who had never carried a load before? Put the they, the Philistines put the the ark on a cart, um, and two ox that had never carried a burden before, magically or miraculously brought the ark to the Israelite camp, and that was definitely a miracle. It was definitely a nest because they had no they they had never done that before, and they 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 did it directly, and. Um, um, curses stopped happening to the Philistines um, after they did that. And so in David's thinking, because it came to us on a cart, um, we should continue transporting it on a cart. But that's not what the Torah says. The Torah says um, that only the Levites should transport it and that they should transport it with poles and that they should carry those poles by hand. So it was David's fault that this whole thing happened and, you know, perhaps he did it in innocence also. And Uzzah also made this mistake in innocence. He meant well. He meant the best. Um, the Ark of the Covenant was about to fall. And it would have, you know, probably been destroyed. And Hashem was basically sending the message of, I would rather that I be destroyed than you do the wrong thing. Um, and that's that's actually the case with the temple, with the second temple, Right. 
Hashem allowed his second temple, his holy temple, to be destroyed because of the sins of Israel. And that was, it was more, it, he, he would rather do that and teach us a lesson of the weight and the gravity of our sins than uphold his glory. And I think that's a very important lesson um, for us to learn that everything that we do for Hashem, if we're not doing it according to his way and according to his word, it's it's not done correctly. And I, I, I like what Ruben said when he was saying that it's not necessarily a punishment, but a natural consequence. Just like um, I, I would use the analogy of a fire. It says that Hashem is a consuming fire. If we jump into a fire, we have to expect to be burned. And Hashem, Hashem is holy. He is a consuming fire. We can't approach him just any which way we want. He has given us steps. He has given us instructions. He is a holy God. And Kabbalists say that the reason that Hashem kicked us out of the garden, what, you know, it seems like a punishment, but the Kabbalists talk about how that was actually an act of mercy because if we had stayed in the presence of a holy God in our state of sinfulness, we would have simply been burned up and been destroyed. And that is more of a natural consequence. And in his mercy, he, his, he, his presence left from us. And I think that we could probably see the same thing in terms of, um, in terms of the second temple and in terms of the death of the Sadiqim. Uzzah was probably a Sadiq as well. I mean, he was David's right-hand man and, and David was a man after God's own heart, right? It says, um, Hashem blessed. Nathan the prophet even said to, to David, you know, whatever is in your heart to do, do it because Hashem is with you. So righteous men, they make mistakes. Um, they drink too much sometimes and, and they, you know, approach Hashem the wrong way sometimes, even, even with our best intentions. Um, and so there's a lot of death that happens in this world that we may think is unjust and unrighteous. I sent out a message uh, last night about um, uh, my friend, Sylvia Cantu. Uh, she, she she comes here once in a while. Her son, Ivan, is has been wrongly put been put on death row and he is scheduled to be executed in less than two weeks. And all the evidence many people believe points to the fact that he's innocent and that he was framed um, uh, in, in collaboration between the police and gangsters. Um, and, and we are not, you know, as adults, we understand that this is not unknown to our justice system, that our justice system often works with criminals to, um, you know, to, to do things and, and frame people who are innocent. And this is what happened to Yeshua as well. Whether you believe he's Mashiach or not, he certainly didn't deserve a death sentence. He killed no one, right? He didn't do anything wrong, and yet he died. And um, there are a lot of atrocities, you know, the Holocaust. Of course, we're going to be celebrating Yom HaShoah very soon. Uh, of course, you know, um, many people will say, well, it's because, you know, 
the Jewish people were were sinful and they were not dedicated to God. A lot of the people that died were were secular Jews and they had abandoned the Torah. And that may be true, but there are a lot of religious Jews that believed in God, even Messianic Jews who had faith in Yeshua um, that day that died in the Holocaust. So there were the innocent and and the guilty um, who died in the in the in the Holocaust. And there's a lot of things that we don't understand, and ultimately everything will work out for for good in, in Hashem's, you know, eternity and Hashem's time. And we won't understand everything. We won't understand all the injustices. We can only do our part. And, you know, I've asked for prayer for Ivan Kantu, that God's will be done and that he be that he could avoid, you know, the death sentence. But it might not happen. That's the reality. It might not happen. And, um, you know, the death of the righteous, I think always, always lift up the rest of the generation. Um, when we understand, especially those who understand that these people didn't really deserve it, you know, we don't understand. And it still happened to them. What more of us? And we have to realize that our, our lives are short. Our lives are fleeting. Um, whether we do good or bad, our lives can end in an instant, and we should make the most of every single day and even every single minute of our lives. I read that. All right, let us turn to page 77 in our Siddur, and we'll sing Psalm 145. Tehila le David. Tehila le David. Aromim ka elahai hamelek. Veravra kachim ka lelamba ed. Bekoyom avra keka. Veahala shim ka lelamba ed. Gadolaranai umhalome od. Velig du la to en keke. Dole do ya sabak maseka. Ugurateka yagidu. E darke voto deka. Ivote nipoteka asika. Vesus norateka yo meru. Ugdula teka asaprena. Sekera tokika ya biu. Vitsika keka yerene nu. Panun merahum adonai. Mereka pai ugdaka said. Tovadonai la kova rakamav akomasa. Yoduka adonai komaseka. Vekasideka ye vepuka. Kevod makuteka yo meru, Ugburateka yada beru, Lidia liva de adam gebrota, Ugbod hadamahuto, Makutko mahut kol olamim, Umem shateka bechod of ador, Serme gadanai le kohanofim, Bezokep le kolha kepufim, Ene <laughs> 
And we're on, turn to page um, 85 for the Mishaberach. Um, when I say bless the sick, say the person's name out loud. May the one who blessed our fathers and our mothers, Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah, may he bless the sick. Any herbal? Um, Leabat Peshachai. Shisalabat Sarah. Okay. May the Holy Blessed One overflow with compassion upon them to restore them, to heal them, to strengthen them, to rejuvenate them. May He send them speedily a complete healing from heaven, a healing of the soul and a healing of the body speedily without delay. And let us all say, Amen. And a prayer for our government, our God, and God of our ancestors, accept with mercy our prayer for our land and its government. Pour out your blessing on this land, on its president, judges, officers, and officials. Work faithful, faithfully for the public good. Teach them from the laws of your Torah. Enlighten them with the rules of your justice, so that peace, tranquility, happiness, and freedom will never depart from our land. God of all that lives, please bestow your spirit on all the inhabitants of our land, and plant love, fellowship, peace, and friendship between the different communities and faiths that dwell here. Uproot from their hearts all hate, animosity, jealousy, and strife in order to fulfill the longings of its people who aspire for its dignity and desire to see it as a light for all nations. And so may it be God's will that our land be a blessing for all who live on earth and that fellowship and liberty will dwell between them. Establish soon the vision of your prophet. Nation will not raise sword against nation and they will no longer learn war. And as it is said, for all of them will know me from the smallest to the greatest. All right. And now it's time for the Musaf. So if everybody could stand um, for the Musaf Amidah and do your own personal personal one on starting on page 36. And if the kitchen can be a little bit quiet during the Musaf.
All right. Um, those who are still doing their personal Musaf Amidah continue to do so. We're on page 88 uh, for the Ain Kelochenu. Uh, who is like our God? Who is like our Lord? Who is like our King? Who is like our Deliverer? En kelochenu, en karonenu, en kemachenu, en kemoshienu, mi kelochenu, mi karonenu, mi kemachenu, mi kemoshienu, no de elohenu, no de laronenu, no de no de le moshi enu Baruch Eloheinu Baruch Adonainu Baruch Makenu Baruch moshi enu Atahu Eloheinu Atahu Adonainu Atahu Makenu Atahu moshi enu Atahu Shikteru Avotenu Lepanecha et katoritasami. And uh, Alenu on page 89 and 90. It is our duty to praise the master of all, to ascribe greatness to the author of creation, for he made us unlike the nations of the lands and has not placed us like the families of the earth. Alenu leshabeak ladon hako. La tet kedelan yetze bereshi, shelo asana kere haratzot, velo samanu kamishpachot hadama, shelo sam kakenu kahem, vegora lenu kekohamonam, vatnaknu korim, umishtakavim umodim, lifne melek mache hamlachim, Hakadosh Baruchu, Shehuno Teshemayim veYosed Aretz, Umashakakara Bashemayim Ima, Mishkin Atuzo, Mishkin Atuzo, Begabe Meromim, Hu Eloheinu Einon, Emet Machenu Efatulato. Kakatu betorato veyatahayom veyatahayom vehashevota eleva vecha ki adonai huha Elohim b'shamayim ima veyal haaretz veyal haaretz mitacha eno eno. Veneema vehaya adonai lemeleka kolaharetz bayomahu bayomahu iye adonai echad ushemo 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 echad. The Adon Olam on page 91 and 92. Um, Master of the universe who reigned before any form was created. When creation came about by his will, then as king was his name proclaimed to be. 
Okay. I can't hear you, Valerissa. Thank you. Come here. Hello, GOVs. All right. Hi, guys. I can see you. Hi, Dino. Hi, Vinny. You can see us here, huh? You can see everybody. Yeah. Out Are the steel wheels online there, too? No, no, no. Welcome everybody else online. Please stop me in there. Accidentally said everybody Be careful throwing stuff down the stairs. Say hello, Toby. All right. We will do the kiddish now. Okay. Let's start. Vishamru Vene Israel, El Kashabat, Sayasotet Hashabat, the Doret Tamberit Olam. Venu Ven Vene Israel, Otile Alam, Otile Olam. Vishamru Vene Israel, Et Hashabat, Neyasot et Hashabat, Nedoret Tamberit Olam. Kisheshet Yamim, Hasa Adonai, Hasa Adonai, Et Hashemaim ve et Haaret, Vishamiru, Venei Israel, Et Hashabat, Shabbat <laughs> And the children of Israel shall keep the Shabbat, observing it throughout their generations as an everlasting covenant. It's a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Remember the Shabbat day to keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Shabbat of the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son, your daughter, your manservant, your maidservant, your cattle and the stranger as within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is within them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Shabbat day and sanctified it. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaLam Borei Prihagafim 
Mm. Now let us wash our hands. That's the same grape juice. It's just a big cup. Hi guys, Law Kids there. Hi Molly, looking colorful today. Hi, by the way, we can't hear you guys. Just, just talk, just saying, ooh, that's delicious. I can't hear you. We can't hear you. If someone's talking, we cannot hear you. The long one Hannah made, and it tastes like pizza dough. Cool. It's good. Yeah, yeah. The long one's called focaccia. And it's called focaccia? That's and cool. And then Shiloh made challah. Cool. Shiloh's challah <laughs> looks perfect. Yeah, Shiloh's challah is really good, too. But I say the one that tastes like pizza dough okay. is the best. Hello. Here, you guys can have the mic. Here, Shiloh. Shiloh. Oh, oh. Hi, Shaggy. Hi, Ruthie. Hello. Hello, Hillary. Says I. Stop moving the camera, dude. Did everybody watch? What? La, 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 la. Hi. Hello. 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 Hi, Kasha. Hello. <laughs> 
They're watching me type. Hi guys. Hi Chuggy. Can someone turn the camera down? Who, who's controlling the camera? Oh. Vinny. <laughs> we are doing Hala now. <laughs> Jacket at me. Turn it on. Not yet. There's like three Let's stand for the matter of you. Okay, okay. Get that away from the baby then. Okay. No, I may. I'm cutting this on first. No, let me cut it long. You guys are going to want this one. The pizza dough. You're going to you're gonna have to wait. Okay? Yeah, I think I am cutting the pizza one. If you get a piece, go away. <laughs> I mean, let the next person in line. Don't go away. Wait, I don't know. Oh, English. <laughs> I do not know that right. Delicious.
Oh, let's do this to the chef anymore. Can you check in question? Okay. Let me cut. Let me cut some of it for the people that want to eat it, and then you can cut the rest for me. Hey, Raps, take that. Pizza, holla. Raps, take that. Come on. Move. There's raisins. Yeah. Pizza bread. Pull them apart, okay? Don't take all of them. <laughs> Pizza hollow, the best hollow. Earth. You want a piece of bread, Allie? Turn this. Wave to the camera. Hi, Sheila.
Hi, guys. I can't hear you. <laughs> I think you need the mic to talk. Come to Gigi. To me. <laughs> I just brought. Oh no, you did so many eyes. <laughs> Don't spam the chat, Shilo. Hi. Yeah. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Uh -huh. Question mark. Oh yeah. <laughs> Bye guys. I'm going. I'll talk to you when I can. I'm going. Bye. Bye. I need to eat. Bye. I'll miss you. Miss you too. <laughs> Don't leave. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, that's Debbie. Um, <laughs> We're recording. Why are we recording? Okay. Stop recording. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.